Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? All right. Well, well, good. I want to welcome everyone here today. Also, want to welcome those of you who are joining us live online. Now, before I get started this morning, I just want to say that I was so encouraged by last week watching our young young people come up here and do our entire worship service from singing to the prayers to the lesson. I mean, they just did an amazing job, didn't they? I'm so proud. So proud of our young people. And man, this week I was just thinking about all that they did. And I started thinking about the amount of courage it must have taken for them to be able to do that. Right? I mean, I know grown men who struggle to have enough courage to come up here, serve on the Lord's table, or do a prayer, especially give a lesson. And, and our young people came down here and they did that. And they did just a phenomenal job. And I'm so proud of them. And, and really, I think this spills over into our series that we began two weeks ago entitled Empowered. And what we're doing in this series is we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And what I want to do is I want to challenge all of us who are followers of Jesus, whether we made that decision to follow Him a week ago or a year ago or 30 years ago, to dive in and dive deep. You see, spiritually speaking, we have to decide if we're going to stay in the, the kiddie pool with our floaties on, okay, or whether we're going to put on our scuba gear and we are really going to go deep with God. Now, it's in the deep, as I said in that first week, that we experience the thrills and the chills of walking with Jesus. It's in the deep where our faith is oftentimes tested. It's, it's in the deep that we are so close to God that we can't stop talking about Him and everything that He is doing in our life. In fact, we began our study two weeks ago by looking at the first two chapters of the book of Acts. You can go ahead and be turning there again with me if you want to. We're going to be in the book of Acts for the next several weeks but if you missed that lesson two weeks ago, I want to encourage you to go back. And I want to encourage you to watch that online. Because in Acts chapter 1, we find that Jesus has 120 followers. And they're weak. And they're overwhelmed. But in Acts chapter 2, they are empowered and they are strong. In Acts chapter 1, they are scared and they're afraid and they have lots of doubts. But in Acts chapter 2, like we saw with our young people last week, they're courageous. They're willing to step up and they're willing to step out. And you say, well, what happened? What happened from Acts chapter 1 to Acts chapter 2? And the answer to that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and they experienced His dynamic power working in and through their lives. You see, God wasn't just someone that they followed now. Now, God was in them. 
Paul talks about this to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. He says, don't you realize that all of you together, he's talking to the church, are the temple of God and the Spirit of God, said out loud, church, what? Lives in you. Just three chapters later, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Paul repeats what he just said. He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who, watch church, said out loud, who lives in you and was given to you by God. Two weeks ago, we talked about how the former failure Peter, who had denied Jesus three times, was filled with the Holy Spirit and preaches the very first gospel sermon. Why? Because God was in him. And now the miracle for them and the miracle for us is that God is no longer just with them and no longer uh, just with us. He was in them and now He is in us as God's church. In fact, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, Paul says to the church at Colossae, and this is the secret, Christ, why church? Lives in you. And watch what that does. This gives you the assurance of sharing His what? Sharing His glory. Listen, because I'm in Christ, and Christ is in me, I am completely accepted. Because I am in Christ and Christ is in me, I've been justified. I've been forgiven of my sins. I've been redeemed. Because I'm in Christ and Christ is in me, I am free from condemnation. I am a citizen of heaven. I am adopted into God's family. Because I'm in Christ and Christ is in me, God says that I am the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I have been chosen to go forth and bear fruit for Him. I'm empowered to tell His story. Because I'm in Christ and Christ is in me, I am God's workmanship created to do good works and I can do all things because He gives me the strength. Listen, if you don't get anything else out of our lesson today, please get this. Everything changes when God is in you. Everything. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Remember what Paul said? He says, Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work where, church? Within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask. Or think. God's power is at work in you and through you. Peter puts it like this. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. By His divine what church? Power. God has given us everything that we need for what? For living a godly life. You know when you were born. You weren't able to walk. When you were born, you weren't able to run. When you, were, when you were born, you weren't able to talk. But you were given everything that you needed, right? When a spiritual sense, listen, you and I, we are given everything that we need at our spiritual birth in Jesus Christ. 
When we were born again, God gives us everything that we need to live a godly life here on this earth. I, I think about what John Smith said several years ago. John Smith came and he preached on the Holy Spirit and, and he talked about, man, if I had just known... When I first became a follower of Jesus, that I had the Holy Spirit and that I didn't have to do this life by myself, that I didn't have to try and live for Christ on my own. He said, man, what a difference it would have made in my life. Listen, I don't want you leaving without you understanding that God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. And He has given us that through the Holy Spirit of God. Two weeks ago, we examined this sermon that this former failure named Peter, now filled with the Holy Spirit, preached to thousands of people in the streets of Jerusalem. And here's what happened in the aftermath of that sermon. It was absolutely incredible. Verse 41 says, Those who accepted his message were what, church? Were baptized in about, get this, 3,000 were added to their number that day. Can you imagine that? 3,000 people at one time in one setting from one sermon was born again and changed by Jesus. 3,000 lives received the gift of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. But here's the deal. We all, when, when we give our lives to Jesus, we all receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But living in the Spirit is our choice. Right? We, I, I believe we looked at this passage in week number 1, Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 14. Paul writes, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are what church? Led by the Spirit of God are what? Children of God. Notice what Paul says, it's, it's our choice. We can either be led by our old sinful desires or we can be led by the Holy Spirit. And some of you say, well, I, I definitely want to be led by the Holy Spirit, but, but, but how do I do that? I mean, Slate, you don't understand. I've, I've got some pulls, I've got some sinful desires in me that are, that are really just pulling me away from God. I, I want to live in the Spirit. I want to give the Spirit complete control of my life. And, and so how do I do that? How, how did these 3,000 new believers that we're reading about in Acts chapter 2 do that? It's kind of interesting if you look at Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, what you see is that these 3,000 established four basics, four priorities, four spiritual practices that would help them not only to go deep in their relationship with God, but also to live in the Spirit for the rest of their lives. 
And I want us to look at that this morning. Look at, look at verse 42. Notice it says, they, why church? Everybody said out loud. Devoted. We can do better than that. On the count of three, let's say that word. One, two, three. Devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, number one, and to fellowship, number two, and to the breaking of bread, number three, and to prayer. Notice these 3,000 believers, they devoted themselves, they invested themselves, they dedicated themselves to these four spiritual practices. And man, over time, the results were absolutely incredible. You know, one of the things that keeps so many people from Christianity, from understanding the grace of Jesus and experiencing it in their lives oftentimes, is there's just so many bad versions of Christianity. There's bad versions of the church, and, and I think some of you are probably products of that. Because maybe you hadn't been in church for years, but, but maybe you started coming with a friend here of late. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of connect with the church family here at Central, but I've got a lot of doubts and I've, I've got a lot of questions. And, and, and there have been times when I've sat down with people like that and, and kind of talked through these things. And one of the things that I have discovered is the reason they have not wanted to have anything to do with church for so long is because they've been a bad, they've been a part of a bad version of what Christianity is really like. Maybe they were a part of a, a, a congregation where the minister had an affair. Maybe they were a part of a congre congregation that was very just mean-spirited and judge, judgmental and, and lacked love. Maybe they were a part of a, a, a congregation where, I mean, they just, they watched a split take place over things that really didn't even matter to God. And, and, and those things, those are just a few things that can really just set people back in, in their walk with God. And you need to understand this morning that those things happen. But these new followers of Jesus, they devoted themselves. They gave themselves to these four spiritual practices and the results were incredible. And listen to me this morning. If you've ever wondered what a church looks like when it is working right, let me tell you something, guys. This is it. Look at verse 43. It says, all the believers were together and they had everything in common. In other words, they were unified. They sold their property and their possessions to give to anyone who had need. And in other words, they're expressing compassion and love. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. In other, in other words, they came together to meet for worship. They also broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. In other words, they also met together in small groups, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Listen, this is what a church looks like when it's working right. There was a tremendous sense of unity. 
The people were sharing what they had with each other and they were eating meals together and they were worshiping together and there was continually more and more people who were being saved because of this dramatic transformation that the Holy Spirit was doing in the lives of these new believers. And here's the deal. This group of new believers would go on to be the leaders in the serving core of the Christian movement as it spread through the entire Roman Empire and eventually to the the end of the earth. In fact, you have to wonder, would Central be here today if it wasn't for the devotion and the faithfulness of those 3,000 new Christians? Even though they were just as bit as ordinary as you and me, even though they were just as, as busy as you and me, even though they were just as sinful and stubborn and tim- timid as you and me, the Holy, the Holy Spirit empowered these new Christians to change the world. Listen, with the time I have remaining today, I want to challenge all of us to live in the Spirit, to go deep into these spiritual practices that I believe will really strengthen and deepen our relationship with God, but also will allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in us and through us. And so look back at Acts chapter 2 and let's talk about those four practices. Here's the first. We've got to devote ourselves to teaching. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Which simply means God's Word. Because you have to remember, the apostles, they sat at Jesus' feet for three years. Jesus had taught them for three years. But also in Acts chapter 2, we see that God was speaking through them through the Holy Spirit. You see, at this point, they didn't have the Bible as we did. Or as we have. And so, they couldn't say, turn in your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 3. No, instead, they would just say, turn to Peter. Peter, teach us, right? But today we have the Bible, the inspired Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17 says, All Scripture is inspired, it's given by God, and it's useful to teach us what it's true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. I want to take it a little bit further. The Bible is our nourishment. It feeds us. It helps explain to us how we can honor God and and how we can have a relationship with God and how we can continue for the rest of our lives to live in the Spirit and really grow spiritually. Dr. Bruce Walkie tells about an experiment that he performed with two mice. He gave both of these mice two different diets. 
to one mouse, he gave milk and wheat bread and juice and vegetables. And to the other mouse, he gave donuts, white bread and jelly, candy, potato chips, and coke. And in less than two weeks, there was a huge difference between the two mice. Mouse number one was healthy and strong and was full of energy. Mouse number two lost its hair, was irritable, whatever that looks like for a mouse. <laughs> Showed signs of ill health and even died an earlier death. Now, what's the point? What you eat determines what you become. What you eat, what you take into your body determines your health and the same applies spiritually. And so let me just mention a few ways that we can devote ourselves to teaching, to God's Word. First of all, we can devote ourselves to the public teaching that occurs at our Sunday morning services like we're doing right now. And, and what's really cool is over the last year, We've developed a program called Kingdom, Kingdom Kids. And so if you have small children, you don't have to sit there and wrestle with them and, and not be able to, to listen to the lesson. No, during my lesson, your kids can go off to Kingdom Kids and they can have a Bible lesson that's geared towards their level as well. And so you have this, this hour of teaching. Maybe an hour and 15 minutes if I go over but think about this, there's 168 hours in a week. We're just talking about one hour. And the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, that we've got to be careful that we don't become careless and, and neglectful in, in coming together like this. Some of you may have heard about the wife who woke up her husband one Sunday morning and he just kind of very irritatedly rolled over and he said, I'm not going to church today. Well, she said, give me two good reasons why. And he said, well, number one, no one likes me there. And number two, I don't like anyone there. Well, she said, you're going. And he said, well, you give me two good reasons why. She said, number one, the Bible says that you need this. But number two, you're the preacher. <laughs> Listen, we all need these times of spiritual nutrition. And so the Bible says, don't miss assembling together. Plan your schedule. Plan your life around devoting yourself to this kind of teaching. Because it could change your life, it could change your marriage, it could change your family, it could change your future. Another teaching opportunity comes through the teaching that we experience in our small groups. For those of you who have not joined a small group, I want to encourage you to do that because what we do after our Sunday morning services is we break off into smaller groups and we discuss, we deepen our teaching of the Sunday morning lesson. And, and if you would like to be a part of a group like that, see me and I would be happy to plug you in. Another teaching opportunity is our Wednesday night Bible classes. 
We also have a grief class that meets on Tuesday nights from 6 to 8. On Sunday mornings right now at, at 9 a.m., we're offering a financial peace class. And so there are, there are lots of opportunities here at Central for teaching. But then the third kind of teaching is actually the greatest kind of teaching that happens in your life, and that's when you study the Bible on your own. Some of the best teaching you'll ever get is when you open up God's Word for yourself. And if you're here this morning and you don't have a Bible, please see me afterward. I would love to give you a Bible. If you're watching online and, and you don't have a Bible, just message me and I'll make sure that we send you one. And, and that's absolutely free. Also, if you have a smart device, if you have a cell phone, I would encourage you to download the version. There's tons of different translations of the Bible on that app. It's absolutely free. There's all, all kinds of devotional plans that you can plug yourself into. Also, one of the, the biggest excuses why I hear people say, I, I don't study the Bible, is they say, because my eyes are bad and I can't read. Listen, through the YouVersion app, it will read the Bible for you. How cool is that? And so you can just be driving down the road and, and just turn on the, the YouVersion app and, and have the Bible read to you every single day. Listen, if we're going to live in the Spirit, we've got to stay in God's Word. We've got to devote ourselves to teaching. Here's number two. We've got to devote ourselves to community. Go back to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and notice they devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to relationships with others. And for those of you who call Central your home, I want to encourage you to do that as well, to deepen your relationships here. Now, I realize that some of you may be visiting or some of you may have been checking us out for the last several weeks and it's just like, man, I, I don't know how to really plug in. I, I don't know how to deepen my relationships here at Central. Let me give you a few suggestions, okay? Uh, first of all, number one, join a small group. Not only are, are you going to have some deepening spiritually, you're also going to deepen some relationships through smaller groups where you can really get to know and build some relationships with other people. Here's another suggestion. Instead of arriving late when everybody's already seated and then as soon as the last amen is said, sliding out the door, get here early and actually leave late. Stand out here in the foyer instead of coming in and going straight to your place in the pew. Be approachable. Smile. Give people a chance to be able to meet you. And man, let me tell you something. How, often, how awesome would it be if you just went up and tried to connect with someone yourself? Right? So many ways, and, and this is so important because here's the deal there's going to come a time in your life i guarantee it where you're going to need a shoulder you're going to need an ear you're going to need a friend and no one is going to be able to help you listen to me if they don't know you i can't tell you how many people throughout the years 
who have come in late or they've sat in the balcony, no offense to those in the balcony right now, or, or they slid out as soon as, as, soon as services are, are over and then something happens in their life and something terrible, somewhat, something that they really needed to lean on with someone else and they miss for several weeks and they don't get a phone call or a note in the mail and man, they become furious with the church and they're sitting there having this conversation well, no one called me. And I look at him and says, does anyone know you? Why would you expect someone to call you if they don't know you? Listen, you need some relationships, some, re some relationships that are going to help you live in the Spirit. That's going to help, help God work through you and use you in big ways. Because remember, again, it's a choice. To live in the Spirit. And you've got desires pulling you in different direction. And so you need God's Word to keep you strong. And you need others to keep you strong. But then also, as we look at Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to prayer. We do too. We need to devote ourselves to prayer. It's what makes intimacy between us and God possible. Prayer is the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. And if you haven't prayed much in the past, I totally get it. I understand. We have a lot of people in that same boat, and some of that has to do with the fact that a lot of people don't know how to pray. And, and their version of prayer is oftentimes what they see on Sunday morning, right? If you're a visitor and you come on Sunday morning, you may have a brother in Christ who stands up here who's been a Christian for 30 years, and, and, and man, he's praying for five minutes, right? I, I remember being asked to pray on Sunday morning as a teenager, and I was like, there's no way because I can't pray that long. Sunday morning's got to be a long prayer. And you got to have these big, elaborate words to where people are going, what does that even mean? How do I talk to God like that? And this is what Jesus says about prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by other people. Truly, I tell you, they receive their reward in full. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Jesus says it's not about the quantity of your words. It's not how flowery and big your words sound to others. In fact, hear me out. It's not about others at all. You're not the audience. God is. And God just wants us to be real. He wants us to just share our hearts with Him. What would happen in our lives? What would happen in our souls? What would happen if our, in our congregation if we just devoted a few minutes a day to studying God's Word and talking to Him in prayer? Number four, and I'm done. I know I'm past time, but you're going to have to deal with it this morning. We need to devote ourselves to communion. Acts 2 verse 42 talks about how they devoted themselves to breaking bread. 
We, we did that this morning. We do this every first day of the week. Communion is the regular coming together to remember what Jesus did for us. When he allowed the Romans to beat him, mock him, whip him, pound nails into his hands and feet for our salvation. And the reason God instituted the Lord's Supper, the reason he instituted communion is because he knew that we would forget. That's what we do as humans, right? We're always forgetting things that are important. In fact, let me, let me do kind of a little survey this morning. Raise your hand this morning if you've ever taken a test where you've forgotten an answer. Raise your hand this morning if you have ever forgotten someone's name. Raise your hand this morning if you have ever forgotten your car key somewhere. Raise your hand if you have ever forgotten where you parked your car in a parking lot. Raise your hand if you have ever walked into a room and forgot why you went into that room. And y'all are going to hate me for this one. How many of you have ever forgotten your kids at church? Me, I have. Man, they fall asleep on the pew when they're little, right? And you walk on out and it's like, man, where's Shepherd? <laughs> Truth of the matter is, man, we, we forget, and according to the Bible, what's especially astounding is our capacity to forget God to forget the one who created us, to forget the one who loves us, to forget the one who sacrificed his son for us. And so we should devote ourselves to communion because we need that, right? We need the regular, vivid reminder of what Jesus has done for us. And we need to plan our life around it. We need to prepare ourselves for it. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 56, If anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. In other words, there's spiritual strengthening. There's, there's spiritual deepening that happens when we participate in communion. Just as bread and liquid strengthens our physical bodies, participation in the Lord's Supper empowers us spiritually. Listen, there's no shortcut to diving deep, to living in the Spirit. It, it requires time. It requires saying no to some things. But here's the deal. If we get this right, there is no end to what God can do in and through us as His church. I know that some of you may be undecided today about Jesus. But I want you to know that Jesus has already decided on you. He loves you so much that He came and He gave up His life on a cross. He died on the cross so that your sins and my sins could be forgiven. And today, if, if you want to talk more about Jesus and how you can give your life to Him, how you can put Him on in baptism, having all your sins completely washed away, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, Acts 2.38, I'd love to talk to you about it. We've had some 
uh, over the last few weeks who have made that decision, and it may be that you're ready to make that decision yourself. Or, or if you are a Christian, or if there's something you, you need us to pray for you about spiritually, we'd love to do that as a church. We also, up here at the cross, we have some pens and paper. If it's more of a private matter, you can leave those things on the cross, and our elders and myself will pray over those things for you. But if you have a need, won't you come as together we stand and sing?